Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. So, Jeff and I, once again, are sitting down with an incredibly exciting guest. This time around, we have Andy Trill. If you don't know him, he is an Australian host, actor, and martial artist. Specifically, he is also a three-time Australian champion martial artist. Andy, so lovely to have you here. How are you going today? Thanks so much for having me, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. I'm having a lovely day. And it's Good. gotten better because I'm hanging out with you guys. Oh, <laughs> too sweet. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think you have a very impressive resume. And honestly, we'd just love to hear about your story and your career journey to date. How did you get started in film and television? Long story short, um, it was through martial arts. I, I used to train mm-hmm. a lot and I got into competing. And off the back of that, I started doing some fight choreography for some local amateur theatre And then I just met a lot of people that gave me some great opportunities to get into more stunt-related work. Um, So I started working on a play and then then I got an agent and then uh, the agent started pulling me up for auditions and for meetings and stuff. And then um, I started networking a lot and putting together a portfolio. And then I scored an audition for a, a Channel 9 show back then called Kitchen Wiz, which was 2010. And which started off as a pilot on Channel 9, but then ended up going for 475 episodes in seven seasons. Wow. Uh, and you were yeah, on the so entire I, time? Yeah. Wow. Like, oh, oh, my God, I'm a ninja. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was a ninja, but I didn't have a mask on. And I was co-hosting this show, uh, which was on daily at 4 p.m. Uh, so, yeah, did that every day. And then off the back of that, when the show finished... I already finished uni by then. I couldn't really go back to more of my business-related work because I had no experience in it. And, uh, yeah, I kept networking and I landed a job on Foxtel hosting a show called Chatterbox, which was a community show on Aurora. And then off the back of that, I started working at SBS. Basically, it was all kind of connected through people I had known And they gave me these opportunities and I just did my best at the time, pretended I knew what I was doing. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was at SBS for a long time. And But during that time, I had done stints at ABC. I did a show Mm. at Channel 10 called Street Smart. You know, did guest roles on different shows and worked in stunts and stuff. I was really, you know, living the freelance life, except my full-time job you know, for the last eight and a half years was um, SBS. And I'll take leave to work on these other freelance jobs. Hmm. But, yeah, being in freelance, you know, art, you know, I just kept hustling. (laughs) Most of my day was just spent hustling and networking and attending events and trying to get that next bigger gig. Hmm. No, that's awesome. The first question in my mind is, what is life like as a stuntman? Say you're like, you're on the set, you've landed this new gig, you know you're going to be doing stunts. Can you just paint a picture of what that process looks like? Like, how do you know what stunts you're doing? How do you practice for them, 
et cetera, et cetera. I just, I've never met a stuntman. I know nothing about it, but it seems very cool. So I'd love to hear a bit more about that. So the stunt industry in Australia is really a tight knit community and everybody is like highly trained in, in many areas. And I'm just being, first of all, very grateful to be a small part of this community. So I don't want to, yeah, I don't feel like I represent all stuntmen. Um, my specialty is just martial arts and uh, fight choreography. But when I get a job, I'll just do whatever's required. Um, and, and, you know, it's a similar process like when you get an acting job. It's you, you kind of audition, but it's more of a physical audition. And um, often it's whether you kind of know the person as well because you've got to spend, you know, 14 hours a day with the same kind of crew and they really want to know that they can work with you and you can take direction. And when you're on a set, you know, I was on Hacksaw Ridge, which was directed by Mel Gibson, and mm. we oh, had... We had a, an amazing stunt coordinator on there and uh, basically, you know, our job there was to do a lot of the firearms and shooting and it was a war film. So, mm. yeah. um, you know, that didn't really require that much hand-to-hand combat, like martial arts related stuff. We still did some hand-to-hand combat, but you just have to be really agile and take direction and work as a team and um, yeah, they're generally really early starts and, yeah, really late finishes and that's all you kind of do for ages. But, like, when you're doing stunts and stuff on, like, commercials or things like that, they're, like, a couple of days here and there and, again, a stunt coordinator is your boss and they, they get you on, onto those jobs, yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm curious, how dangerous can stunts get and do you have, like, a level threshold? I'm just thinking of, like, you know, you always hear these stories like Tom Cruise doing all his own stunts on like Mission Impossible <laughs> and stuff like that. Is that standard? I assume not, but I just kind of want to, you know, see if there are any kind of myths to debunk about stunts and how dangerous they get, or is it something that most actors kind of really do deploy because it can be quite dangerous? I definitely believe on set stunts are really for trained people because you're doing the same kind of move multiple times in multiple angles that could take you know anywhere between 30 minutes and a couple of hours doing the same kind of movement it can be quite taxing on your body Mm. so that could lend itself to more injury and more chances of bigger injuries and uh even a shorter career you know so it is kind of dangerous like just say when i was on shang chi um when we were doing lots of fight choreography and you know we would do say you know, anywhere between six to eight counts of like fights, like one, two, three, four, five, six. And then just say if you pick certain moves that you go really hard at and then turns out you have to do this for the next two hours, you know, imagine, you know, you punching like a boxing bag for like two hours. It it really, Mm. it's taxing. And we were on that for like eight weeks doing Mm. similar stuff. So a lot of people did get injured, you know. So Mm. that's how I feel stunts can be dangerous but the stunt industry is a lot about safety and especially Mm. the Australian stunt industry um, there's so much about safety it's just like is it safe is it safe we'd rather it be safe than do something super crazy yeah so yeah is the pay worth it yeah I mean it's pretty good well actually sorry I'll take that back Um, um, (laughs) at the time obviously on the day the pay is really good but, I mean, the, the ultimate cost is your body, right? 
That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what I kind of figured out later on as in I'm like, ah, oh, my back hurts now, that kind of thing. So, yeah, paying for physio and certain things later on in life may not be worth it, but definitely, uh, I mean, you're rewarded well on the day and it's great that you can get some royalties. And also you can work with a fantastic team and you can meet lots of great people that can really push you forward in your career. So in that, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, on that, who's been the coolest celebrity you've had to work with in terms of that stunt choreography? I'm assuming that's how it works, right? You work with actors and actresses to perform certain moves and all that. But then, like, when it comes to difficult sequences, it's you who's, like, portraying them. Am am I correct in saying that? Is that stunt performance in a nutshell or did I misinterpret? I mean, there there are stunt guys that go off and double people. Right, um, yeah. um, In my career, I've haven't really doubled too many people right. but just done a lot of different action and choreographed stuff did what I'm told um, but you know I've met many stars but more in my other job when I was hosting as a host of SBS Pop Asia and um, now I've actually moved on to a new platform but I've you know met tons of stars you know from Andrew Garfield to Hugh Jackman and things like that yeah yeah, yeah it's been amazing and also on set, because these stars are really famous, especially on a movie set and TV show, they're like God, you know, <laughs> like mm. there's a call sheet, there's a call sheet and they're number one on the call sheet and then the hierarchy goes down, you know. <laughs> so you've got to really respect that. So even if you've met these people in real life and on set, you've got to really. Just like... Sorry, just to clarify, what does that mean by that, though, in terms of the call sheet and respecting that hierarchy is and you can't talk to them like what, what does that mean in practice um so a call sheet is a sheet that you get every day about where the location is who's going to be there on set um, where to go what time makeup is it's all in one sheet and you get it every day and um there's a number in terms of cast like mm. one would be the lead two would be the co-lead three would be supporting cast four would be you know and kind of the list goes down. And so when you're number one on the call sheet, it means like, you know, they're really, really important to the production. And so you kind of respect that because if anything happens to them, the production shuts down, so. Yeah, cool. I imagine you're number like five then, because like, I imagine stunt choreography is very important to, to films and, and TV that's sent on. Yeah, just that, add a like... zero or two at the back of that. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess on the back of that, you know, you mentioned Shang-Chi and that's probably one of my burning questions. Would love to hear about your time and experience working and starring in Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings. Any kind of interesting anecdotes to share on that or any particular highlights that you found from that experience? Yeah, well, I met Simu six months before they started production just through a friend of mine. And um, I asked him, hey, do you want to come on the show, like on our SBS show? He was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we organized to go up to Sydney Harbour Bridge and we do all this random stuff. And then we ended up, thank you, Simu, if you watch this, um, just like hanging out heaps. You know, just like we went to the Star Wars premiere, we went to the Actor Awards, we were just hung out, like went to Time Zone. <laughs> oh, oh, hell yeah. Um, amazing. <laughs> um, and it was an amazing time just to hang out and chill. You know, he had a schedule, um, just like going to the gym and preparing for the film. And then, you know, I didn't ask him directly to get on the movie, but, you know, he asked me, are you going to work on it? 
you know, he couldn't give me a role or anything, you know. He had to just do his thing. But he did tell me who was like the lead stunt guys and stuff like that. So I was able to meet them and they were part of Jackie Chan's stunt team. And uh, I went through like a physical audition like most other people did. And I was fortunate to get through the physical audition and then, yeah, got to work on the film for like eight weeks, which was amazing just to meet so many people from around the world um, that worked on so many cool productions like Mulan and all the other Marvel films. Like lots of people had just got off Black Widow and, and Endgame and all that. So, you know, just sharing, just hearing and learning from those guys and working with Jackie Chan's stunt team was really, really cool. And yeah, so we just spent um, like a long time at that village at the end, <laughs> like just fighting. Where is um, that, that village? Warsaw. Where's that set? Uh, that's in, in Sydney. They built that purpose. Oh, it was purpose built. It was, in a, it was in a nature reserve, which they cleared out and they built that. I doubt it's still there. Yeah. But it was really cool being there the first couple of days. Yeah. And then we realised we're there for a very long time. So it's like seeing the same thing over and over again. And I remember coming to set one day and it all had been like destroyed, like a lot of it. And I was like, the hell's happening? Mm. Because we didn't get too much production briefs because of like the secrecy and all that. Right. So I didn't even know there was a dragon until ages. <laughs> yeah, we were just, they would just tell us how to react and do certain stuff and then I have no idea. That's interesting. So you actually don't know like the script, you don't know the story. It's just kind of whatever you're told, like yeah. you direct, right? Right. Interesting. And they yeah. shot alternate endings, which we thought were the endings. Oh. <laughs> oh. So so when we watched the film, we're like, this is not what we did. <laughs> um, I remember my first couple of days we did these other war scenes which started off in the beginning of the film and we worked out really hard on them and ended out to be six seconds. Oh, <laughs> we spent damn. so long on it. I was like, oh, and I remember having like a really good close-up next to Tony Leung. I was like, oh, yes, I'm wow. in this film. Yeah. And now no one will ever know. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the ether now. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how those things work, though. But it was a great experience to be on something that big. And I remember... On the first day of set, you know, there's like two, three hundred people on set. And then I saw Simu and he he walked over to me. I was here within the stunt guys, I was in my like uniform because we were going to battle. Mm. And because he had walked over to me and he's number one on the call yeah. sheet, everyone looked over to me. They were like, <laughs> who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> uh, he gave me so much clout that day. Just oh like the God, fact that it. he... He touched me with like the hand of God. Yeah, yeah. Made physical contact. He literally. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Honestly, I have such a crush on him. I think he's someone we'd love to get onto <laughs> to the pod. Because he just seems so cool and just so down to earth as well. So I'm so glad to hear that like he's actually he sounds so decent and you've met him in real life and you've hung out and he actually seems like what he looks like. So that's really cool. And yeah, Great your time movie. at Shang-Chi sounds amazing. Great movie. I, I cried so much, just like uncontrollably. Not even because it was like a sad scene, but I was just happy that there was like an Asian-centric Marvel movie. I, I remember because my partner and I watched it and just like, you know, as the scenes are simple as the ones where they're like praying to ancestors and all that sort of stuff. 
you just like you don't see that represented it's such an important thing and so common but you never see it on a screen but when you actually do i was just like bawling i had no idea i was like just 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 so happy that it's happened and like obviously like simu's been someone that's been such a champion for asians around the world and you know he speaks up so often about the issues that a lot of asians face so yeah amazing amazing what he's doing with his platform and like yeah. he's going to be in the next avengers exactly yeah, it's gonna be crazy it's gonna be soon are, are you gonna be i mean obviously you know i don't know if you can disclose you can tell us offline <laughs> but do, are, are you gonna be involved in the next one with simu or do you know if you will be no i'm not sure like getting on every production ever has always been a battle like yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll just see. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, so many people want to jump on it. So yeah, see how yeah. we go. Yeah, no, makes sense. Um, I think you know the next question that we want to ask you is: you know, there's often a trope in Hollywood and film and television of Asian men being sort of relegated to a few stereotypes. You're either sort of a nerd or you're kind of a karate kid. I guess, like, to what extent have you felt this pressure in your career? And, you know, how have you navigated the tension between the trope of martial arts, the genuine empowerment that comes from it, and I guess ultimately, like, how you portray yourself on screen? Yeah, so in the beginning, obviously all the audition, auditions that come through your agent, like, uh, are those kinds of briefs. And so I noticed it, but I was hustling so much at the time. I was like, yeah, give it to me. And plus... Yeah. I was a martial artist as well, so I, was, I really wanted to go down that path and um, I just had a bigger goal of um, trying to, you know, get my foot in the door. So mm -hmm. I was completely happy to do it and I felt I was good at playing the martial artist. <laughs> um, so half of my career has just been, I wanted actually wanted to be the go-to martial arts guy if you wanted to cast someone. Um, so it's given me a lot in my, my career to move forward mm. so i didn't mind it yeah amazing amazing but I, I like that's really cool right because i think sometimes it's like the balance some people feel like oh this it's just falling to the stereotypes but i feel like one part of the argument that often gets left out is when it's genuine it's just like i actually really enjoy this role um it's provided me with i know purpose and this is where i want to take my career and i feel like that can be left out of the conversation when people are discussing things like like stereotypes what are your sort of views on how this is changing though? Do you feel like we're sort of moving away from these classic stereotypes? I feel like obviously we'll use Shang-Chi as an example, like an Asian superhero. I feel like that would have been rare 10, 20 years ago. I feel like people are starting to get starred in roles that weren't necessarily given to them. For previously. sure. I mean, yeah. half the briefs that, you know, you get nowadays in 2022, it's almost like colorblind casting. You know? So we're getting cast in like, real main roles on mainstream tv mm. um but you know what part of the reason why i fell into presenting i mean i kind of like discovered by accident like i could really be myself or, you know mm. it wasn't really that much of a stereotype so that was really cool and refreshing yeah Hmm, amazing. And on that, you know, kind of want to diverge away from, you know, your stunt performance and that part of your career. And I'd love to kind of hear more about, you know, like you said, being on TV itself and presenting. Um, and, you know, we might have mentioned before, but you're currently the host of SBS Pop Asia. And I know that you had some role in founding that as well. Um, love to know about that experience as well and any interesting stories you can share with us on that front. 
Yeah, that's been such a big part of my life. So I joined SBS Pop Asia in 2014 and it became a really popular Asian pop show on SBS because it showed Asian pop music videos every Sunday and that's how people discovered K-pop and mm. things like that. Yeah, I became the radio and TV host and I don't know, I started meeting just like heaps of K-pop groups and, you know, it was really niche then. Yeah. Uh, but when it got to 2015, BTS came and then Big Bang came and then and then by 2016 it got bigger. 2017 we started touring with the groups and then a mat like this massive thing called KCON came and um, yeah I started going to Korea heaps and just interviewing the groups there and hanging out with bands and yeah it just went crazy and the fandom blew up. And now it's like mainstream. So (laughs) I love looking back on my time during when a lot of groups came to Australia. That's been awesome. It's been really good to also engage in the K-pop community and go to all the events like all around Australia and, you know, like I DJ K-pop now and um, all that kind of random stuff. (laughs) Yeah, Just like so deeply ingrained in the community. So, so grateful. And I have started my own platform. Oh, amazing. Tell us about it. On what? Yeah. So it is now kind of like a SBS Pop Asia 2.0 and it's it's kind of my own show now. Oh, um, yeah. Is that, so, is that launched yet? Is that when is that launching, or has that already been launched? Uh, soft launching. Uh, soft okay, launch. Cool. And we've yeah. we've got partners and. You know, we've done around 18 artist interviews and we've had some government support doing some live events and stuff. And, um, yeah, we're looking to become like a big Asian pop entity. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, well, all the best for that. That sounds really awesome. I do have a question, though, and I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on this. On the K-pop front, as you touched on before, you know, you really saw that explosion of K-pop around 2015 and it's only been, it's only grown since then. I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on why you think there was such a dramatic change and what kind of informed that. I mean, it's fantastic, but I just kind of love to understand what it was like seeing that firsthand as well. Yeah, so um, I think what helped was like the internet, like with Twitter Mm. and people sharing and, you know, all K-pop videos were kind of like built to go viral Mm. compared to like your your normal basic music videos. So that really, really helped. You know, they're so catchy, they're colourful, engaging. And the artists themselves, they're really personable, you know, they're fashion icons and all that into a package they're all trained as well. They sing and they dance and all that stuff. So it's it's a package that can yeah. go viral, you know, and they follow trends and they create trends. So whatever the year it is, it's not a surprise that they're mm. one of the top trending things. Yeah, so, I, you know, long story short, I, I really believe the internet had a lot to do with it and the community, of course, the community and the strong bond that they have, like BTS Army with BTS and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've heard like about, the stories oh, about the sorry, army. Yeah. yeah, I think you're about to say the same thing. That they're like real intent. Like I see all the people. It's like you talk any shit about BTS, and they're like, 
it's organized crime, you know, like hunting you down. But I reckon they're a force for good as well. Did you hear about how, I think it was like some Trump rally and they like had bought out half the tickets so that- Oh, I remember that. Buy. Yeah, that, that was Do you know funny. what I mean? I don't know. I, I kind of fuck with them. <laughs> it's crazy how they're like, well, they organize. I think that's the main thing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah they will, the amazing thing about Army as well, um, I recently traveled to America with a bunch of Australian Army. Um, and what's really cool is there's Army of all ages. And mm. all backgrounds, lawyers, mm. doctors, I mean, <laughs> accountants, you know, like yeah. really, really just like financially well-off people to just your local kid. If they've all band together for this common purpose, you know, you know, they've got some power to wield, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I remember... Um... Watch, I think it was a Vice video. It was like the, it was about the forgotten member of BTS. And they were like, I don't know if you've seen this video, Andy. They're like into in the person who was basically like, because they go through the process, right? You like, you get trained up, you go to the schools or academies and then they like pick the groups. Um, and I think he like just got cut from BTS. And it was, it was a really interesting video and they were interviewing him because he wasn't, talking about missing out on the fame but he was really talking about like missing his friends because they like go through this process together and obviously it's very tough it's very selective they're working heaps i feel like there's some degree of trauma bonding but our video was quite heartbreaking to like watch because he was just like i just want my friends back it's like oh, i don't want the fame just want my friends yeah. back. It's like, oh that's oh. such a sad video to watch oh. <laughs> yeah and things will never be the same right yeah it's just yeah, like exactly. so different people now yeah <laughs> Actually, Isabella, I feel like Gangnam Style could have been one of those things that like saw a big explosion. Remember when that video yeah. came out and everyone yeah. was like doing mm. the dance, the song That's was true. like blasted on radio, like nonstop. And I feel like that could have been a bit of a gateway drug. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty good one. Was Sai um, a one hit wonder or did he have another song? I think Max probably two songs, but I think he definitely would fit into Sai was really popular before Gangnam Style, oh, as in yeah. in Korea. He had like Korea, a, yeah. a ten year career before that, yeah. and then he just released this random song, and then it kind of goes viral. But you know, now he's still huge, you know, in mm. Korea, and I think he's gone back to his roots. He's got his own company there now, and he's collaborated with BTS members and stuff. So he's still on the rise. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's Dude, really shout out Sai, man. Yeah. As you can tell, we're probably like is neither Isabella and I are very educated in K-pop, so we really appreciate this insight. No worries. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> um, and I guess, like you know, looking forward, you've had an amazing career. Um, you've done so much. You're a host. You're a stuntman. It's it's an amazing resume to look back on. But you're a hustler. What are the ambitions going forward? So yeah, I'm working on my own platform, and mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm looking to build this uh, to. Be the biggest Asian pop show in Australia. Let's go. Um, and, and also, you know, I've got big sites to hopefully take the world. <laughs> no, no, I love dream big. Yeah, you know, yeah, I dream big. And uh, it would be it would be lovely to go full circle and have BTS back on the show. And yeah, um, yeah uh, I definitely see this is where I want to be and what I want to do next. Um, yeah. But besides that, I've been working on, I worked on a movie a couple of months ago. Um, acting. Uh, it was for Amazon Prime. Ooh, oh, sorry. I should say it's the tiniest role, really. No, it's something <laughs> it's still that's still cool. No, it's, no, I mean, yeah. Who do you play? 
Uh, well, no, nah, actually, I, well, I probably can't say at this stage. Yeah, fair. But, yeah. but I'm also working, I just, I'm doing a couple of days on this TV show locally here, and that's going to be yeah. called Paramount Plus. Um, so, yeah, I'm still hustling doing that. And um, I don't know if you know New South Wales Health. Mm. Yes, yes, I yes. Yeah, I, I do TikToks for them. And so oh, my God. Look at you go. A man <laughs> yeah. of many talents. This is so impressive. <laughs> yeah, so I do TikToks for them and I do a lot of, a lot of their social media stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I am in the health space creating content. Uh, well, that's what I'm up to at the moment. But the long-term goal is to really focus on my show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially what you're aiming to achieve, I imagine, is so important in terms of feeling that gap in representation especially in Australia and I imagine pop music by Asian artists in Australia so all the best for that I'm so excited to see how you build that and to watch you and you know this platform grow and um yeah we can't wait to see what you have um ahead in store last question but not least what is one piece of advice or multiple pieces of advice if you have them that you can share to our listeners who are looking to get into film tv stunt performance just generally in the entertainment industry i imagine that in me it sounds like it's quite difficult and i think it's very much one of those things where you kind of have to have people at least you have to kind of network but is there anything in particular that you kind of wish you told your younger self or a key piece of advice that you think would help anyone who's keen to get involved in the industry networking is a really big part of it uh so attending events or anything that's on and just you know get out there and meeting them or Mm. cold emailing or cold calling uh also get some training um you know, there's so many acting schools um, and like stunt training schools that you can like check out and have a look because obviously you're going to meet like-minded people and people that can mentor you. Uh, use the platforms available to you if you want to do presenting and all that jazz. So there's like YouTube and all the social media platforms. Start posting content and um, because the more videos you make, the more lessons you learn and like mm. the more you know about yourself and how to present. And as you guys will know about making a podcast, the more you make, the better they are, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would say that and do your best. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a great point. Our first couple podcasts were, oh my God. I can't listen to them. We can't listen to them. It's so awkward to listen to because it's scary. Just like I can't, oh, we, we tried to... We filmed some video content and it just feels so unnatural to like have a camera in front of yourself. <laughs> and like to and obviously I know it's like you just gotta have to do it more and then you get practice, you get comfortable, but oh it was so awkward in front of a camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Fair yeah. Fair All good, but everything comes together in the editing room. Yeah, exactly. That's true. exactly. <laughs> just just chop it out that's right massive shout out to um well amazing thank you so much for your time andy before we go actually and we round up anything you want to pitch or plug at this point in time yeah sure check out my platform or follow it's called andy true show love it check it out guys well andy we have learned so much today and it's been a delight speaking to you thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us um we've hoped you enjoyed it i've certainly have cool thanks for having me guys thanks so much andy and uh, if you enjoy this podcast make sure you give it five stars wherever you get your podcast and we'll catch you guys in the next one see you later